You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and I am joined again today by my co-host Curtis, and it is time to once again dip back into the listener mailbag. And as we get closer and closer to the start of the 2022 season, man, the number of questions that we are getting, it is also rising at a rapid rate, which is a good thing. We love that. We love the interaction. We love to hear from you guys. Very good thing there. So we are going to continue with these weekly mailbag episodes at least for the next month or so. So keep the questions coming, guys. We've got plenty of time to talk about anything and everything that you want us to discuss here on the podcast. I also have to say this. We always get really good questions. That's never been a problem. We always get outstanding questions. But this time of year, the quality of the questions seems to also get higher and higher as the season approaches. It's almost as though we can like feel it in the air. Like, yeah, it's it's hot as hell right now in the state of Georgia. But that heat means that football is just around the corner. That's what comes next. And I don't know about you guys, but even saying that is just sending the dopamine flooding through my brain right now. The adrenaline's pumping. I'm ready to go. This 2022 season quite literally cannot get here fast enough. But Curtis, we do have a lot of questions on this list, this growing list of questions. So we're going to try to get through as many of them as we can today which means we need to go ahead and kick this thing off. Now, for some reason, I don't really know why. It's kind of random here, but Stetson Bennett and the quarterback position have been by far the most popular topics that we've gotten over the past couple weeks. Like All the questions we've got, we've got a variety of questions. Don't get me wrong, but we've got a lot of questions kind of just randomly here over the past couple weeks about Stetson in particular and the quarterback position in general. So we're going to start there and go quarterback heavy today for these first couple of questions, and then we will branch out and talk about some different topics after that. But let's get some of these quarterback questions out of the way because they are coming in hot and heavy lately. And we're going to start with, I think this is kind of a loaded question, but it's a really good big picture question. So our question of the week comes from Carter. And Carter asked Curtis very simply, is Stetson Bennett an asset or a liability? Now, Curtis, as the founder and the CEO of the Stetson Bennett Hate Club, I hate to hear what you're going to say here, but I'm going to give you the floor, my friend. 
What do you think? Asset or liability? You know, I probably have to say asset. And I think the reason is just because you're coming into year three with him as a starter. You know, if I looked at it his very first year, I probably would have gone a liability. But it's just hard not to think that all these changes we have right now um, on the offensive side of the ball, around this whole team in general, I mean, the one thing that really stands out is just the fact of, him being the upperclassman. And I, I mean, and you know, I've been very hard on him, but he has taken steps consistently to get better. And I think that also going into year three under Todd Munkin, people, I don't think people have talked about that as, not, as much as like, this is the first time in a while that we've had this much continuity between a quarterback and offensive coordinator in a long time. So it's hard to see that as a liability in its own right. So like, yes, he can make mistakes. And, you know, at times, like, we still aren't going maybe as aggressive as we have been. I mean, maybe that changes with him. I don't know. But the fact is, like, I still think it's impossible to sit here and say that it's not an asset to have someone who's been around the block, who understands what the coaches are asking from him and all those different things. So, Curtis, this is like the second or maybe third time in a row that you've had some positive things to say about Stetson are you in the process of considering resigning your presidency of the Stetson Bennett hate club I mean the fact is you some people may let their dislike or non-belief in something just blind them you know have a blind hatred and I and that's the thing I've always said I don't have a blind hatred for him um, I just look at what's in front of me and I think that when you look at what's in front of you and all the information you have at the moment I don't think I can sit here and just blindly bash him. Yeah, and I'm going to give you credit for that. I, I and you have been very critical of him on this show, and more more so than I have. And, and but you're right. I think that you're trying to be objective and honest with what you see. And I will give you credit for not being one of those people who had this preconceived notion of Stetson and just refuses to come off of that and allow this guy to grow as a quarterback. I'm going to give you some credit there for that, my friend. But I, I tend to agree with you. I love what you said about the improvement that we saw from Stetson last year. And this is something I don't think gets talked about enough when you talk about Stetson Bennett. This guy in 2020 was solid for us, did some good things for us. I mean, I, I'll always love the guy. I mean, I know it ultimately didn't end up meaning anything, but I still like to win football games. And Arkansas, on the road, comes in and saves the day. I mean, Stetson was the difference in that game, saving that day. If we, if we had kept Dewan Mathis in that game, Curtis, do we beat Arkansas week one 2020? If we do, it's an ugly, ugly win. I don't know, man. I, I mean, and it's hard to know for sure, but I don't know. After that first half, I don't know if I would have faith saying, yeah, sure, we win that game. Maybe, maybe, because we were the more talented team. But, man, he was – talk about liabilities. And that week, and I hate to kill a guy, but Dwan Mathis was a liability in that game. But Stetson was 55% completion percentage, 7.6 yards per attempt, eight touchdowns to six interceptions in 2020. And I don't want to say spot duty, a couple weeks as the starter in 2020. Fast forward to 2021, now it's a larger sample size, but all the way up to 64.5% completion percentage, almost 10 points higher in completion percentage, up to 10 yards per attempt from 7.6, 29 touchdowns to seven interceptions. And Curtis, again, we've said this before, I'll say it again, that is without him having really any reps at all with the ones through spring practice, fall camp, the whole nine yards. He was an afterthought all offseason last year coming to the year he was an afterthought no one was considering this guy an option the coaches have basically told him that told him that and he was not really he was in the plans he was not in the plans but yet he comes in and performs that level and I think he got better and better as time went on last year and I think you're exactly right it's very reasonable 
and perhaps even likely to believe that Stetson Bennett is going to take an, an additional jump, another jump this year, now that he has a full year as a starter, essentially a full year as a starter, a full offseason as being the guy, spring practice, going to have fall camp with the one. So barring injury, I think it's reasonable to believe this guy will make another jump this year as our starting quarterback. But in answering this question, I, like what happens moving forward? I, I guess that's what we're trying to do is project. I think you have to consider that. But I think when you're answering this question, Curtis, is Stetson an asset or a liability? I think the answer to that question depends on context. And what I mean is, like, what system is Stetson operating in? What is the talent like around him? Who is the offensive coordinator? Like, Curtis, let me ask you, man, like, if Stetson Bennett played for Mississippi State and Mike Leach, is he going to sit there and excel in an air raid offense where he's throwing the ball 50 times a game? Realistically, no. Yeah, I would say probably not. Like, he'd be fine. I mean, it seems like it's like a plug-and-play system anyway, honestly. I mean, how much more talented is is Will Rogers and Stetson Bennett, to be real? I mean, but so maybe he would be fine there. That offense is just kind of just made for quarterbacks to, to put up massive numbers. But that's still not the kind of offense that, that really fits what Stetson does well. Now, is Stetson going to take average talent and, ev- and elevate that talent around him by putting the team on his back? Probably not. Like, we haven't seen him do that, and I don't know if Stetson Bennett with the talent he has in that body, and he maximizes what he has in that body. I don't know if Stetson Bennett will ever be that kind of guy. I could be wrong. I'm open to being wrong. But I, I think it's reasonable to say probably not that kind of guy. And, and Carter, look, I get what you're asking here, man. I think this is the classic. I think this is kind of what you're asking without asking it. Did we win because of Stetson or in spite of Stetson? I think that's really the gist of this. And look, we all know Stetson clearly has his physical limitations. That's obvious. And he's cons- and Curtis, you were very good about pointing this out all last all last season. He's consistently been good for a few head scratching decisions every game. I mean, that's been pretty consistent every game that he was playing in last year. But I would still put forth in the context of our team, our system, what he has around him, the offensive coordinator and Todd Munkin, I agree with you, Curtis. I think in that context, Stetson Bennett is absolutely an asset. And first off, I kind of look at it this way. I don't think Stetson is the reason why we won a national championship last season, and I don't think he will be the reason why we win a lot of games this year. He's not going to be like the driving force by any sort of championship run. I'm not going to argue that, but what I will say in his defense is I definitely think he was a reason why we won a national championship last season and a reason, perhaps even a major reason why we win a lot of games this year. Curtis, that makes sense. Like, I don't think he was the reason why we won all those games, but he was definitely a reason. Does that kind of resonate with you? Yeah. I mean, especially when, like, when you talk about it, like he didn't lose us games. And I think that's why you have to say like a reason we won is because he didn't cost us a game. Um, you know, realistically, right. he wasn't the one that made the, I mean, he made winning plays. I don't want to say he didn't make winning plays, but he wasn't making the difference making plays that would get us a win. Well, not an abundance of them. I think he did make yeah. some difference-making plays, but not not on the regular. I, I'll agree with you there. And I, I'll, 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 I kind of sum it up this way. Is Stetson Bennett Joe Burrow the kind of guy who's going to put his team on the back in a route to a national title? Absolutely not. Like, no, no one's saying that. That's not who Stetson is. But I'm going to go back to, like, when I was in high school here. Some of you will get this reference. He also isn't Craig Krenzel out there, who's a quarterback who's just – literally along for the ride to a national championship. I mean, he's not that guy. He's somewhere in between that. So in talking about asset versus liability, I mean, here's another way to think about this, Curtis. Think about it this way. Where in the world would that team last year have been without Stetson Bennett? Like if JT goes down like he did, 
you know, JT, God bless the guy, made of porcelain. So even when you put him back together and you put him back out there, it's only a matter of time until that dude's body cracks again. Where would we have been last year, Curtis, without Stetson Bennett? Like, do we win a national title without Stetson Bennett? I don't think we do because, I mean, we probably would have still ran the tape in the regular season. Yeah. But playoffs and everything is where the difference would have been. I think we probably still would have run the table in the regular season, but there's no guarantee there. If you put a guy like Carson Beck or Brock Vandergriff in there, they, I mean, there's no tracker. Like we just, there's the unknown there. We don't know, but I think they would absolutely have been capable of losing us a game. Like, don't you think that like one of those guys could have had like a three or four interception game in them if they had to be the guy? Especially someone like Tennessee where they could put pressure on you if you're not out there scoring. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's something Stetson doesn't get a lot of credit for either, which I think he should. He's a very poised quarterback. Like, he's confident in himself, and he doesn't he doesn't get rattled. Like, it doesn't mean he doesn't make bad decisions. He makes some poor decisions sometimes, but it's not because he's rattled. It's just because he, like, makes a poor decision, tries to force the football. I mean, he we, he played in some big environments last year. You bring up Tennessee last year, Kurt. Let's not forget that game. It was a game, dude, for a quarter and a half. Like, it was tied, or they had the lead for the first quarter and a half of that game. Now, obviously, we had more talent. We pulled away. But Stetson, in a really hostile environment, I was in that crowd, very hostile environment. They were liquored up and ready to go. Stetson was making plays in the first half of that game. He made well, he made a play with his legs, made a touchdown run to take the lead midway, midway through the second quarter, if I remember correctly. And then, you know, we add on from there at Auburn, a really hostile environment. You and I were both there, Curtis. You know, that game was 3-3 after the first quarter. And I know it's only one course, a four-quarter and, game. And we, we, were, we were very at the bottom of the barrel when it came to receivers that game. That we, we literally had two receivers that were healthy. Like, we had A.D. Mitchell and we had Lab McConkie. So yeah, so a, a mash unit receiver. It was 3-3 after one quarter. Hostile environment. They were ready. They were pumped up. They want to beat us, obviously. And then Stetson hits two bombs. Puts it right on the money to Lad McConkey. Now Lad got open. Lad did a great job running routes on both those plays, but Stetson had to hit him. And Stetson hit him on two bombs down the field, one in the second quarter that set up a touchdown and one for a touchdown in the third quarter to create that separation so we could run away from Auburn. But that was another game, at least for a quarter, that was close on the road in a hostile environment. And you have a young quarterback in that situation. I don't know if they respond the way that Stetson responded. I really don't know. So I don't think there's any guarantee that we would have even gone undefeated, and I certainly don't think we would have won the national title without Stetson Bennett. So if you think about it from that perspective, clearly Stetson Bennett was an asset, not to mention the Michigan game, comes back for only the whole world, Curtis, after the SEC championship game. And I would include us in this. You and me as well had basically turned against this guy after that loss to Alabama in the SEC title game. And this dude goes out there in that spot with that kind of pressure against the top 10 defense and puts on a clinic, delivers the best performance of his career. So I, I think, honestly, like I don't think there's a question here. I know that some people are hesitant to go all in on Stetson. And let me say this. I'm going to get in my soapbox for a second, then we'll move on. I know I'm talking a lot here. But I just got to put this out there because this drives me crazy. I, I do, I guess, get the hesitant, hesitancy to go all in on Stetson. But my frustration with how he is perceived and how he is regarded is that I think people, too many people within our fan base, hold him to a standard that they don't hold any other quarterback in America to because it supports their pre. This is what you were talking about earlier, Curtis. It supports their preconceived view of him as this kind of inferior quarterback because obviously his origins as a five foot nothing walk on that nobody wanted. They have this idea of him. And I think a lot of the people who hate on Stetson are actively looking for reasons to knock him. 
Does he make some poor decisions? Sure. Does he miss a throw here or there? Sure. But they are looking for those things because it makes them right. And people like to be right. We are an egocentric species and people just like to be right. But in the process of being right, people I think too many people in our fan base are holding Stetson to an impossible standard. Yeah, he misses some throws. Yeah, he'll miss a read. Yeah, he'll force a ball. But you know who else does that? Literally every other quarterback in America. Bryce Young does it. C.J. Stroud does it. Caleb Williams does it. Literally insert any other quarterback. So I'm going to step off my soapbox, but I shouldn't throw that out there because it drives me crazy because I think too many people in our fan base just actively try to knock this guy who has done every single thing the right way. And that just drives me insane. But yeah, to wrap it up, I'm with you, Curtis. I think Stetson Bennett 100% is an asset for this team. Doesn't mean he's the best quarterback in America. Doesn't mean he's a Heisman Trophy candidate. Doesn't mean he's an NFL caliber guy, but he's clearly been an asset for this program to this point in his career. And I think that will certainly continue to be the case as we move forward into the 2022 season. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, Curtis. So if we haven't talked about quarterbacks enough, we got a couple more quarterback questions here. So you and I are in agreement that Stetson Bennett is an asset to this team, but let's look at this from a little bit of a different uh, standpoint. And this kind of goes to what we were talking about a little bit earlier, but we'll look at it in the 2022 context. And this question is from Bleezy. appreciate it, man. Uh, so Bleezy asked, if Stetson were to get hurt this season, do you think we could still make a run to the playoffs without him? Interesting, Curtis. What's your take on that? You know, I think we could. Um, I thought that Beck looked a lot better. I mean, he still has room to grow, but it looks like he is growing. Um, Mm -hmm. And then once again, I think the schedule lays out well for us. I mean, I know we don't have the defense we had last year to rely on and all those things, but I still think we have the weapons around him um, and the defensive pieces to still be good enough that I don't know if I look at the schedule right now. Some games being tough, but I don't see them overall being someone that could stop us from making a run. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. I think I'm with you on this. I think we could still make a run in the playoffs without him. It's hard to answer because we just haven't seen Brock Vandegrift or Carson Beck or any of those guys, Gunnar Stockton, in any sort of meaningful situation out there on the field. Like We've seen a little bit of them out there in garbage time, but nothing meaningful that we could actually take and use as evidence to to support an idea that, yeah, we, we could still go out there and win a lot of football games. 
I'm high on all these guys. They're all highly recruited. And I love everything I've seen from Carson Beck when we've got opportunities to see him live, particularly in the G-Day scrimmages. But again, that's G-Day. You don't want to draw any kind of definitive conclusion off that. So I think it's hard to answer because there's just so much of an unknown there. I think the question you have to ask yourself is how much better are we than everyone else on our schedule absent the quarterback position? So, Kurt, you think we're good enough, even if you take the quarterback out of the equation, just everywhere else on the field, we're just better than everyone else and we'll still be able to, to get through? I like to think so. I mean, the, realistically, just look at what we've done over the last couple of years recruiting. I think at position by position, at least in the regular season, you're not going to find many teams that can stack up to us on that level. Yeah, I mean, I think our roster's clearly head and shoulders above better than everyone else on our regular season schedule. It's really not particularly close. Some closer than others, but not really close at all. So I, I think, yeah, we probably still could make a run in the playoffs. Um, my one thing here but I would say is I think in the modern age of college football, escapability and mobility in a quarterback is huge. It's almost a prerequisite nowadays. Like in terms of how I view that position, I think you need you have to have that. I'm not saying guys to be a true dual threat, but he has to be able to move a little bit. And that's what Stetson can do. I mean, Stetson's not a true dual threat guy, but like he can move, he can escape, he can make plays on the run, he can do those kind of things. And we have two guys behind him that can do that in Brock Vinegriff and Gunnar Stockton. And Carson Beck's not completely immobile, but he's not as mobile as those two other guys. The thing is, those two more mobile quarterbacks, Vandegrift and Stockton, I'm not sure either one of those guys are ready right now. So I think it would be Carson Beck if something happens to Stetson. And it's almost like, you know, last year we had to change our offense on the fly to fit Stetson. It's almost like we might have to change our offense on the fly again to, to fit a little bit of a different skill set with Carson Beck if that were to happen. And knock on wood, let's hope that never happens. So I, that gives me a little bit of pause, but I think I'm with you here, Curtis. I I think that we could still make a run in the playoffs. My thing, I would say, like, I we would have to go undefeated in the regular season, right? Because, like, if we made to the SEC title game, let's say we face Alabama without Stetson, are we winning that game? No, that's the one I don't – I think we'd be in trouble with, and it could be like last year where if we came – or you know, how many times it's happened to us in the previous years before last year where we had that one loss, and then the SEC championship game is our uh, – eliminates us. Right, exactly. So I think we, we, we would have to go undefeated in the regular season. So I, I think I think maybe the real question is, when does Stetson Bennett go down? Like, how many games in the season – do we have him? Like if, if he goes down late in the season and we have to fill, have a guy fill in for, you know, two or three games. Yeah. I think that we could potentially still come out undefeated and then go in the SEC title game with no losses, lose to Bama and then still make the playoffs. I think that that's reasonable and possible. But if let's say Stetson goes down week two or three and we've got somebody that's got to step in right away. Like, I don't know, man, like, would you feel comfortable Curtis? I mean, I know that we're still really like, our talent is so much better across the board than a team like South Carolina, but going into a very hostile environment in williams Bryce Stadium with an improved South Carolina roster with Carson Beck potentially making his first career start, like, do you feel good about that game? You know, it. I wouldn't, but at the same time, you talked about how we'd have to change our whole offense and everything across the board. I still have faith in Todd Munkin, as we've shown, he can do it on the fly. And then yeah. I think at the same time, if he was to get hurt early in the season, the only positive of that is you let someone grow into the position to where if you need them in, at those bigger games, then they're not freshly freshly starting. I think we can still make the playoffs. I think it obviously would, would, would reduce our margin for error, but I think it, there's a world where we could still make the playoffs. I wouldn't feel as good about it, clearly, but I think we could still do it. Uh, all right, moving on here. This question is from Jay Chambliss. Appreciate the question, man. And he, uh, again, asked about Stetson Bennett. What is your realistic stat line expectation for Stetson Bennett this year? So, Kurt, from a statistical standpoint, what are you looking for from Stetson this year? Do I think he's going to be a 3,000-yard passer? No. 
Um, oh, see, I do. I do. I mean, he, he was 2,800 last year, Curtis, and 12 stars. See, okay. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Well, see, like 3,000 we is like, that used to be a big a benchmark number, but in the yeah, modern see, context, that's what we, it's just we, not. You know, we used to always argue the over-under, and that was our over-under. Yeah. You know, the over yeah. under. Um, right. But I think the biggest difference is this year, I think we have some – I don't know. It's a tough one because I think we have a better offensive line, and I think we have running backs that maybe can stretch the field a little bit more outside of just in the passing game where, like, James mm-hmm. Cook could run the ball, but he was such a weapon in the passing game, which allowed us to add up yards in that aspect where I think we actually have some running backs. I know McIntosh is a good receiver, but I think we'll be able to get more yards. Like, last year, we – you know, it just felt like we didn't have to rely on the run game as much. Um, but yet we still have so many weapons receiving with – all the tight ends, um, A.D. Mitchell. I mean, it's hard not to think it could be possible. I just – I don't know. I think that's the one thing I'm I'm not sure of. I see him having a good completion percentage around, you know, 70% I could easily see um, because I think they do a good – Todd Munkin does a good job of setting him up in a position to be successful, not asking him to do what he can't do. Um, touchdowns to – interceptions I could see you know 20 to 25 to 10 picks things like that but the yardage is the only one I'm not positive on so you're, you're kind of seeing similar numbers from last year yeah very similar numbers um I just I think yardage is where I'm not um positive on because I I don't I, that's the only one I just it's hard to gauge because everything changes so much and it, it comes down to our awesome offensive philosophy at the same time I think it comes down to our offensive philosophy and also this is what got him last year how many games are we just going to be blowing out our opponents so bad in the second half that we just don't even try to score anymore? And see, that's a, and that's a, that's the, a very good point, and it makes it hard to really come up with it. I mean, I think 3,000 is more doable. You know, the last time we really talked about 3,000, we talked about it with JT, but before that was, you know, Jake Fromm, and we were all wrong. But I think that the supporting cast around him gives him the ability to actually reach that 3,000 mark goal. Yeah, you said, I, I think, honestly, everywhere around him, we are going to have more weapons. I, I include the offensive line. I think the offensive line is going to be better. I, we're clearly going to have more weapons, healthy weapons, for him to throw to, whether it's tight ends, receivers, running backs. I, think running, I, I don't think we're really going to miss a beat with the running backs. I mean, I, I know we had two really good running backs in Zeus and James Cook, and this is no slide on those guys. They were fantastic. I don't really think there's much of a drop-off, if any drop-off whatsoever with the, the two top guys with McIntosh and Kendall Milton coming this year and the guys we have behind them, maybe a guy like Branson Robinson. I, I don't see much of a drop off there. And Stetson's going to be more experienced. I, I think all signs point to him improving his numbers. And I'm not saying like he's going to go crazy and he's not going to be a 4,000 yard passer. I don't see that, but he was 2,800 last year, which is about 233 a game. He had 12 starts, 29 touchdowns, a seven pick, 64 and a half percent completion percentage, 10 yards per attempt, one of the top five in the country in yards per attempt. I think this year it's very reasonable if he's going to start. Let's say we play, I'm going to say 14 games, all right? And hopefully it's 15, but let's say it's 14 games. 3,500 yards in 14 games as a starter, absolutely that's doable. That, yeah. that comes out. Like I mean, you give him four, if you give him 14 games, yeah, I don't think there's a question. Yeah. Because I mean, Kurt, all that would take is 250 yards a game. Now, that's a, that's a little bit of a jump from last year, but can you mention the fact that he's more experienced? He's at the full offseason, got all, more weapons around him. We also have a full offseason for because we, we were adjusting the offense on the fly to fit him last year. We have a full offense for Todd Monk and the mad scientist to put this offense together to fit him 
with a full offseason at his disposal and to work on it that way. So I think it's very reasonable to say he could go from like 230 yards a game to 250, which would put him about 3,500-ish. So I, I think that's reasonable. He was 29 to 7 touchdown to INT ratio last year. I would say 30 to 5 I, I would be reasonable. I think he can cut down now. He plays more games. Maybe the numbers could go up, sure. But you'd like to believe that some of those kind of boneheaded, head-scratching decisions he's made he made last year will be cut down on some this year. We don't know. Maybe that's just who Stetson Bennett is, but you like to think there's a chance to cut down on some of that this year. So around 30 to 5, I, I would say touch on the INT. I think completion percentage, I would say 65 to 70, like you said. And, and like yards per attempt. So we have all these new weapons. You got Arik Gilbert. You got Kyrus Jackson back fully healthy. Hopefully he can stay healthy. We got Arian Smith. God, hopefully he can stay healthy. And we, we're, we're going to be less explosive in the passing game. Like I don't see that happening. So I think at least 10 yards per 10. I don't see any way we're less explosive in the passing game this year. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say 3,500-ish yards, 30 touchdowns, five picks, my like 65, 70% completion, at least 10 yards per attempt. That's kind of what I'm expecting for Stetson this year. And I could be completely off base, but that's kind of my expectation going into 2022. All right, we've got one more quarterback question. This is not a Stetson Bennett quarterback question, Curtis. So we're going a little bit off the Stetson Bennett train here. But Witt has, I think, a really important question. Now, we all thought this is the question we were, we were going to spend the entire offseason this year talking about. But with the emergence of Stetson Bennett and obviously him choosing to come back and use his super senior year, this is a conversation that we're going to be really going to be pushing off to next offseason. But it will happen. Let's get a head start on today, Curtis. So Witt asked, who will be Georgia's starting quarterback in 2023? Curtis, how are you handicapping that battle here June 15th of 2022? I know most people saw last spring practice and thought Beck, you know, was a lot more ahead of Brock Vandergriff, but I'm not sure to go with Brock Vandergriff. And the reason I say that is because that was the second spring practice for Carson Beck or I think his second, yeah, his second one, um, third year really going into the system. And the fact is, like, I don't know how much more of a jump we're expecting him to take. Where Vandergriff is really, I still think that a whole another year in the system and another spring practice, I think we're still waiting for him. I still think that there's a bigger jump for him to make than there is for Carson Beck to make. And I think if he takes that jump that he should, the more experience he gets, then I think he has all the attributes that kind of separate him from Carson Beck. Yeah, would you say that Beck is the leader in the clubhouse right now? Yeah, I think Beck is, and I, I wouldn't even be shocked come next year that Beck is the leader in the clubhouse coming out of spring. Um, but I would not be shocked going into summer and in true fall practice if that's where maybe the changes were made. Yeah, I think clearly Carson Beck, I mean, if you paid any attention to spring practice and particularly G-Day, Carson Beck is the leader in the clubhouse right now, but we're more than a year out. There's plenty of time for Vandegrift, Stockton, for those guys to to cover ground. But I, I would say that Beck is leading the clubhouse. But here's what I would say, Chris. I prefer – this is a preference thing for me, and I mentioned this earlier. I'll come back to it. I prefer the skill sets of Brock Vandegrift and Gunnar Stockton more so than what Carson Beck is. And this is not to say, again, that Carson Beck is completely immobile. I'm not saying he's a statue back there. But the fact is he does not have the type of mobility that Brock Vandegrift and Gunnar Stockton have. And for me, if things are pretty equal between Beck, Vandergriff, and Stockton this time next year, that is a deciding factor for me, Curtis. Does that factor into your decision at all? 
I think it does. And we going back to what we had last year. I mean, we don't even know if it was the truth or what. But, the, you know, the whole argument for Stetson over JT was, well, he brings us that mobility that JT does in our offensive line. Well, Kirby Flowers said it multiple times. Exactly. And I'm not, I, you know, I'm not saying he's a liar. Um, but, you know, that was used as a measuring stick last year. So what would be any different next year? 100%. Yeah. So, I, and I think you're exactly right, Curtis. That's the thing. Not only is it a, a me, a personal preference thing for me, I think based off what they've said, if you only take them at face value, it seems like our coaches prefer that skill set too, you know? Yeah. All things being equal. So I, if those guys can cover enough ground, that's what it comes down to. How much ground can Vandegrift and Stockton make up on Beck in the next year or so? Because Beck is the leader right now. I think that's pretty clear. If something happened to Stetson, God forbid, knock on wood, it would be Beck, I think. I mean, well, we thought that last year, and it didn't turn out to be that way. I mean, so whatever. But I think he's ahead right now, but there's a lot of time between now and the start of the 2023 season. So I I would probably put my money on Brock Vandegrift, and I certainly wouldn't count out Gunnar Stockton because he'll, he'll have a year in the system of learning and, and familiarizing himself with what we do offensively. But right now, you know, Vandegrift have a year on him. Uh, I think he would have enough time to catch up with with Beck. And I think the skill set, I think our coaches just prefer that. So I would, I think I'm, I'm with you. I think I'll probably lean Vandegrift. Here's the X factor, though, Curtis. And I, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, man. I know what you're going to say. Yeah. What if, what if we get Arch Manning? Does he factor in? He might factor in, and he may be the reason it was Beck, because the fact is, like, Beck would be more likely to not stick around as long. Um there realistically i mean i know vandergriff could probably go pro in that same situation based on the years but you also got to think are you going to run him off if you put a guy in there that's going to be there for two plus years yeah and it's just hard to put your stock in even if you get archman the number one player in the country it's just hard to put your that much stock into a true freshman who's just and i know look i know he's a manning all right and like their quarterback you know savants i get that but it's it's not impossible, but it's still it's unlikely. Like, I, I do think he'd be more ready to come in and compete than maybe your average quarterback coming out of high school. I mean, I think he'd be a lot more. Like, I think he'd be more ahead than what both Brock and Gunner are by their first yes. year. Yes, based in, like, if you're doing a measuring stick that way. Yeah, I, I I agree. I just still think it'd be unlikely. So I, I I think I would err on the side of Vandegrift right now, which it's a projection, but I think that's what I would say right now, a year out. But plenty of time to to talk about that a lot more this time next year. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Okay, Curtis, got a couple more questions to get to here, my friend. Uh, let's go with this one here. This is from Mr. Tomato Head 49, and he's looking at some of our opponents coming up here in the 2022 season. He asked, which offensive playmaker are you most nervous about facing in the regular season this year? So an opposing offensive player, who are you? Who makes you most nervous? Who makes you shaking in your boots? I'm going to go Hendon Hooker. Yeah, that's exactly why I have, yeah. I mean, just, 
I mean, everything about him, the guy's got a big arm. He can make the play throws downfield, very extremely mobile. Can, um, you know, he can get a first down with his feet or he can extend the play and allow people to get open and hit him down. It's just all the things that he brings to the table that make you think that he's that mobile quarterback that, you know, could put yeah. you in a little trouble. He's a, he's a true modern quarterback. He's mobile. He can he's got some ability. You can do some design quarterback run game with him. He can push the ball vertically down the field. He's not as accurate in the short to intermediate stuff, but he's 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 a modern quarterback. He's he's mobile and he can push the ball vertically down the field and run that tempo based offense. That's that's what this guy does. He makes your running game better. Makes your vertical passing game better. You're more explosive with a guy like that, and that's what the modern offensive game is all about. It's about tempo and explosiveness, creating ways to be explosive offensively. And I don't know if you guys realize this, Hendon Hooker, Curtis. Do you know his TD to INT ratio last year? I think it's actually pretty good, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's insane. 31 to 3. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like, he doesn't turn the ball over. No, 31 to 3 in 11 games as a starter last year. Honestly, the biggest mistake that Josh Heupel made last year was inexplicably starting Joe Milton over Hendon Hooker. Like, what what on earth? That cost him, like, probably at least a game, maybe two games. Like, legitimately. And then they go to Hooker and, you know, the rest is history. Now, they, they still lost some games with Hooker, but he was so much better than Joe Milton. That Milner pit game, really they would have won. Yeah, the pit game, they absolutely would have won that game, 100%. If he, if he starts that game, start, and, he, and Hooker came in some of that game and played well, but if he starts that game, 100% they win that football game. But 31-3 to touch on INT ratio, 620 yards rushing last year, 68% completion percentage, 9.8 yards per attempt. I think it's, it's clear by a mile – He's the best quarterback that we're going to face this year, at least going into the season on paper. Are you with me there, Kurt? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I am. I mean, by, and I know like Will Levis is getting all this first round hype. Get out, get out of my face. I mean, and maybe he'll be, maybe he'll translate better to the NFL. Maybe that's fine. As a college quarterback, n- not even close. Just not even close production. Literally not even close. And, and Hooker plays in a very quarterback friendly offense that features him. I, I mean, yeah, I think it's got to be Hinton Hooker. I mean, Spencer Rattler, maybe somebody could say Rattler, but no, I mean, this guy got beat out. There's a reason he transferred. Anthony Richardson, and he might be like the X factor. If, if he can play up to his potential, maybe. And I will say, like, you know, the offense that, they, that they're going to run, at least that what Billy Napier ran at Louisiana, if that's indeed what he's going to try to incorporate at Florida, was very quarterback run heavy, which is what Richardson does, or that's what he does best. So, that could be the answer, but right now, at least looking ahead based off what we know, I think you're right. I mean, I, I hate to agree with you because I know we want to have some different answers here sometimes, but I think it's clear it's Hinton Hooker. Hinton Hooker, yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, we got time for one or two more questions here. Now, we got to get to Paul's question because we put this off for like two weeks. I'm got to get to Paul. Paul, thank you for your patience, man. So, um, all right. T to the end. We're going to hold your question, buddy, because we want to spend – this one might take a little bit more time to discuss we'll hold that to next week but let's go with a question from dre here curtis real quick because i think this is more topical happened this week actually so dre says thank you for the question by the way but what do you think of the newest commitment joshua miller he's only a three star is this a reach so in case you guys missed it joshua miller previously was committed to penn state he's a three-star offensive lineman from virginia he flipped his commitment this week to the good guys he is now on our 2023 commitment list as a Georgia Bulldog, Kurt, like, is it is he is Dre on something? Is this a little bit of a reach taking a three star guy like this at this point? I don't think so, and I think the reason I say that is I would maybe classify it more as a reach if we were closer to signing day, because that's when you're not you're not going to see as much change in the rating rankings of these players as much as right now going into the summer month 
and into the fall is when these players are going to make a big movement in the rankings. Um, so I'm not ready to call it a reach quite yet. Now, come signing Davey, still a low three-star, just you know, kind of still where he is, and you're like, okay, maybe that's a reach. But right now, I'm not ready to call that. Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. And look, I'm not saying the rankings these guys don't have any basis in reality. I'm not saying they have no value at all because they, they do. I mean, typically your typical three-star is not as good as your typical five-star. That's very fair. But let's not take it as the gospel, right? Because there's plenty of guys that rate as three stars like, oh, I don't know, Jordan Davis, who end up being superstars, who end up being first-round draft picks, right? So just because a three-star doesn't mean by itself that this is a reach. You got to take it more than just looking at the numbers, okay? And here's what I'll say. Number one, he came and worked out for the coaches over the Memorial Day weekend. He worked out for our staff in person. He came and he did that on his own dime with an unofficial visit. And when he did that, he became a priority. He moved up our boards instantly to the point that our coaches have decided this guy is a take right now. We offered him back in early May when Stacey Searles came on board, uh, I guess a little bit after that, because he had a relationship with Stacey Searles when Searles was at North Carolina. And when he came over here to Georgia, the recruiting died down a little bit, but he started to move up our boards. He came to visit, worked out, and our coaches clearly loved what they saw. And our coaches say what you want about them. I think they do a really good job evaluating a lot of these players. You know, look, look at a guy like A.D. Mitchell, right? Three-star, nobody was talking about, was a starter as a true freshman last year. Could be one of the better receivers in the SEC this year. So that makes me feel good. And then I went myself in my amateur eye and watched his tape. Now, with offensive linemen, I really prefer to see them in person, but it's not possible here. This guy plays in Virginia. And I really like his tape. I, I call him an explosive offensive lineman. What I mean by that is, yeah, he's powerful but he's also got really great feet. He bends extremely well, plays a really good leverage. I'm of the opinion, talk about rankings changing, Curtis. I'm of the opinion that he should be in line for a ranking jump at some point here between now and the and, and signing day. But if not, like whatever, I really don't care. He can be a three-star all he wants. I think this guy can play. I think he can play guard. I think he can play tackle. I think he has the footwork to play tackle. I'm excited about what this guy can be for us moving forward. I think he's a really good player. I think he's better than your average three-star. And so, no, I do not whatsoever think that this is a reach at all. All right, last question here, Curtis. Our friend Paul has been waiting very patiently for weeks now for us to get to this question, and we're going to finally get to it, Paul. So thank you, buddy. Uh, what Paul asked, Curtis, this is a fun question to end things on. Who are the five biggest athletic freaks you've ever seen suit up in the red and black? I love this question, Curtis, because we've had a bunch of them over the years. But let's just – Start naming some of the top of our head here, Curtis. So, um, Rick, can we say Davis. Nick Chubb? I'd have to go Jordan Davis. I mean, just because he, or I mean, just the whole package of what he is and the way he chases plays down. I mean, when have you ever seen someone move like that? Yeah, size, speed, athleticism combination. I mean, that's what got him drafted in the first round, top fifteen picks. Yeah, Jordan Davis has got to be up there. I, I, I say Nate Chubb. What do you think? I think that's very fair. Um. Like just the physique coming out of high school and the and honestly, like his ability to recover from that like insanely freakish injury the way that he did and come back and be the type of player he was. I think Nate Chubb definitely. I know we're and look, guys, Curtis and I are are we're both younger than 40. Let's say that. So we don't go back to like the 70s and 80s and whatnot. Like like Herschel Walker, like Curtis, like he should be on the list, right? He should, but we weren't. I haven't seen him. So if you're talking about guys that I've seen suit up, I haven't seen Herschel Walker play live. So I can't go that far back. So let's just put that context there. So Nick Chubb for me, um, Jordan Davis for sure. Uh, What about 
Trayvon Walker, Kurt. No, I was about no, to say, no, like, it's hard, it's hard not to say Trayvon Walker also. Yeah, I mean, I know that you can, you can call that recency bias, but, I mean, he became the number one pick because he was an athletic freak at the NFL Combine. Like, no one was saying that he was a, a number one overall candidate prior to the NFL Combine, and he blew out of the water with this freakish number. So, to me, that's the definition of athletic freak. So, I think he's got to be on the list. Um, Chant Bailey? See, I didn't watch him. Yeah, I see that. I was, I did watch. Yeah, you were a little. That's a little bit before your time. I did watch Champ. That was like my earliest, earliest days. So, well, you saw a champ in the NFL. I guess that's fair in the NFL. Yeah, I would actually. You know, someone I would talk about would probably be Alec Ogletree. Oh, that's a good one. I mean, comes in as a safety and then goes inside linebacker, and the guy was an absolute stud yeah, when he yeah, wasn't yeah. suspended. I like that one. All right, let's stick with let's stick with linebackers. Rennie Curran. Yeah, I mean, he was like, Small, like I but, think but put together I, could move. I think realistically, if Rennie Curran was alive, or not, alive, he is alive, but was being recruited. <laughs> he is alive, very it, much. I can yeah, if he was being recruited in this time, that guy, he would probably. I mean, there's no saying what he could do. He could probably win the Buckus Award in Kirby Smart system right now. Think about him and Kobe last year. He, was he that far off of what Kobe yeah. was? Nobody cares about like how tall you are, at linebacker anymore. Nobody. Yeah, cares. I mean, he just he just unfortunately that. played in that four three system. Yeah, um, I mean, Rooney was a freaking beast, dude. Yeah, Rooney put him in the, the put him in that three four. What we play now with a big nose guard to protect him, he would have. I mean, he would have been yeah. a monster. Here's another one. Now, I don't think you saw this guy play, but I did see him play a little bit. Uh, talk about Chant Bailey. I'm gonna go with Chant's brother, Boss Bailey. You do hear a lot about Boss, yeah. I mean, his ability to, to his vertical jump, like his ability to block field goals and extra points, is I've never seen anything like it in my life, Curtis. I like I know that you didn't get to see him play, right? I don't think you did, did you? I don't. I don't believe so. I may have been too young to remember it. Yeah, I don't think you saw Boss Bailey, but Boss was, dude. Like, I mean, I made the production. I mean, he was he was very productive, but in the early 2000s. But it, I mean, he wasn't like an all American type guy, but like just freakish athlete i mean i think boss has got to be on that list you're talking just from an athletic standpoint um aj green kurt yeah i just it's hard to you know he like in a, his prime at his best it was it's just so weird because like everyone compares him to julio who had that big body yeah man at his prime i think like it was really unfortunate it was fortunate for julio that he got drafted by the falcons and got to play with Matt Ryan, and unfortunate for for AJ to get drafted by the Bengals and play with Andy Dalton, because yeah. I think AJ was every bit the equal of Julio Jones. I really do. I, I truly believe that. And you can call me a homer if you want, but I mean, yeah, you know, I was in I was in Colorado. I was in Boulder, Colorado, in the end zone right there. Literally, he made that that insane touchdown catch. Curtain. Do you remember that? I do. I do remember. When he that. came back from the suspension, that was literally right in front of me. So I mean athleticism, speed, body control, leaping ability. I mean, yeah. I, I, AJ. I, what about Pickens? I know that's very – that's recency bias for I Pickens. Thinking, I was thinking about him. I'm trying to think some guys defensively. Roquan? Yeah, you, I, I could easily see that. I'm trying to think offensively also. I mean, that's one spot. I mean, Isaiah Wilson wasn't – in college, he was a freak. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, yeah, when before he lost his mind, and yeah, I don't know. That that's a good question. So that those are a couple off the top of my head. We love to hear from you guys. If there's some, I'm, I know we're missing guys. I'm trying to think of it real fast here. So hit us up on Twitter at Glory underscore UJ. Let us know who we're missing, and we'll try to think of some more. Maybe we'll have some more for you next week. Let me get a little bit of time to actually put some thought of that one. But uh, that's a, at least a, a start of a list. Maybe Todd Gurley. Maybe we could throw him in there. 
maybe a little bit more recency bias, but Brock Bowers potentially. So yeah, we'll we'll throw some more names out there at you. We'd love to hear from you guys and and hear which names that we completely just whiffed on here. But thank you guys for listening. It's time for us to get out of here today. We always appreciate the support. We'll be back next week. Scheme Theme Month will carry on through the rest of this month, so make sure to look back for that. And Curtis and I will be back again next week to answer more of your questions, so make sure to keep those coming. We hope everyone has an incredible weekend. If you are in the state of Georgia or really just the southeast in general, please don't die. The weather is going to be brutal yet again, 101, I think at least two of the next couple of days. So please don't die. Protect yourself. Have a good time, but also stay alive. But thank you guys for listening. We always appreciate that. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.